my pacing in this sermon is going to be a little different than you may have heard me in in the past. Um, I've been struggling significantly with a cough for about five days, and it's been pretty well under control. I've found that the biggest trigger for the cough is talking. Um, and so when I feel uh, the urge coming on, I may just pause and um, recompose myself and then carry on. Is that okay? I like to talk fast. I like to keep things moving. I may not quite be able to do that today. All right. So I'm a little disclaimer. All right. One of our favorite passages of Scripture at Christ Community is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 10, 1. It's, it's one little continuous story, but it, it actually goes over the chapter change in our Bibles. Uh, so I'm going to read it for you, and a copy of my Bible page uh, is up on the screen. You can follow along. Or if you've got your own copy, I would love for you to see it in your own Bible as well. Matthew 9, 35 through 10, 1. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And so in this passage, Jesus calls his disciples. He leads them in a prayer, asking that God would raise up more workers to send out to minister in his name. And then if you read on down in your, in your own copy of the Bible there, in chapter 10, verse 5, he actually sends them out. So he leads them in this prayer. He calls his disciples to him. He gives them authority. Verses 2 through 4 is him naming those disciples. Uh, he just lists who they are. And then in verse 5, he sends them out. So immediately, they're, they're, they're on the move. So Jesus gives, him, gives them his authority to be his ambassadors. He equips them for ministry. And then he sends them out on this mission tour of all these towns and villages that he's just passed through in verse 35 of chapter 9 in that region. Well, today I want to take you to the passage of Scripture that records the disciples' return from that mission journey. And it is found in the book of Mark. So the next book over, after Matthew, it's found in the book of Mark, chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 30 and 31. So Jesus has sent his disciples out. They've gone out on this mission journey, and now they're returning. And Mark 6, 30 and 31 say, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, we don't know exactly how long the disciples were gone. If they were just gone for a few days, maybe it was a few weeks, their little mission tour. But when they return to Jesus, they are excited and 
exhausted. Have you ever done something that you just knew in your heart you were supposed to do? It's exhilarating. It's kind of thrilling. I knew I was supposed to do that, especially if it's something that you felt like the Lord was telling you that you were supposed to do. It's really thrilling. It's very exciting, but there can be a lot of adrenaline, a lot of, a lot of emotion to it. Um, it can also just be hard work sometimes. And so obeying the Lord sometimes can just be exhausting. And that's where we find the disciples. They've, got, they've just returned from completing this God-given mission tour, and they're pumped about it, but they are also fatigued. And so Mark 6, verse 30 says, the apostles gathered around Jesus, and they're reporting to him all that they had done, all that they had taught. So you can imagine the scene. The disciples are excitedly reporting back to Jesus everything they saw and experienced on their mission tour, uh, the people they shared the gospel with, the people they prayed for, the people that they touched and got healed, the people that they were able to deliver from demons. I mean, it's exciting, and you can imagine them all bustling around, and they're all jockeying. I want to tell you my story. Oh, you got to hear about this. And it's kind of happy chaos, but it's not just Jesus and his 12 disciples that are there. Verse 30 goes on to say that because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. So look what Jesus does for them in the next verse, in verse 31. They're excited, but they're exhausted. They are joyful, but they are fatigued. And also there's this crowd of people that's just bustling excitedly around them, so much so that they can't even pick up a sandwich. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says to them, you can go to the next slide, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. We'll come up in a second. So I want you to look at these four aspects of that invitation from Jesus with me. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I have endeavored to practice this verse throughout my life as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. I haven't always done it super well, um, but it has always been a blessing in my life when I've made it a priority to, to do this. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's a simple yet profound formula for refueling your soul with quality time with Jesus. Different traditions within our faith call this by different names. Some call it Christian meditation. Some call it your quiet time. Um, some people refer to these as their devotions, their devotional time. I'm, I'm a super practical person, so I like for the name of the thing to match the, the function of the thing. And so I've always just called this, this uh, daily thing I do with the Lord, I've always called it time alone with God. Time alone with God. Spending time alone with God is not about completing a task or fulfilling some legalistic spiritual requirement in our lives. It's about nurturing the relationship with your Father and your Savior who loves you and who wants to share more of His heart and more of His Spirit with you as His beloved child. It's about abiding in Him and in His love for you so that His life can, can flow into us and fill us up and then flow back out of us freely and out of our lives. The promise of Jesus is to meet with us and to give us rest when we set aside a little special time in our day to meet alone with him. 
Now, again, I don't always do this as amazingly faithfully as I should, but I can say with confidence that I have never, a single time, never regretted spending time alone with the Lord. Uh, In preparation for today's sermon, I conducted short interviews with 11 Christian adults that I trust. I asked all three of them, I asked all 11 of them three questions. Um, One, what do you actually do when you spend your time alone with the Lord? Number two, have you ever heard God speaking to you? And number three, do you have any suggestions for others who want to learn how to spend time alone with the Lord? And I just want to report back to you a little bit of what I found. Now, all of these people that I interviewed are followers of Jesus. All of them um, have relationships with God that I I trust and look up to. These are people I've known and admired for years. Um, Their lives I've been able to observe and see that the life matches what they say happens in their time with God. Um, And their lives, by the way, have actually had a significant impact on my own relationship with the Lord. So here were their most common responses to question number one, which was, what do you actually do when you spend time alone with God? Now, they all do slightly different things, but these were the the common threads. Most of them said that they begin their time with prayer, and they just commit the time to God. They focus their hearts on Him. Second most thing most uh, thing they said they do is that they get their most pressing feelings or thoughts just off their chest, just right off the bat. Whatever is most pressing in their minds, whatever they're feeling, you know, the, the strongest at that moment, rather than trying to hold it back from God, they just let it out. They just tell God what they're, what they're dealing with, whether it's feelings or sins or prayer need or whatever. They just tell God straight away. All of them mentioned reading scripture, some kind of, some amount of scripture to the point of understanding, either by just reading the Bible on its own or reading it along with a devotional book or a Bible study guide or something, and that they pray along with reading that God will help them to apply what they're reading to their lives. Um, most of them said that they read some type of Christian literature for spiritual growth in addition to the Bible and that they pray through it while they read and ask God to teach them. All of them mentioned praying for others during their time alone with God, praying for situations or big decisions. And many of them said that they spend some time with God, not every day, but some time with God in quiet rest, not really saying or doing anything, just being with God. Now, those were just some of the most common answers I got from several Christians about what they actually do when they spend time alone with God. Now, is that now some sort of checklist for you of things that you must do when you spend time alone with God. Not at all. No, not at all. There is no checklist. There is no regimen. There is no right way to do it. The point is not to spend time alone with God the right way. The point is to spend time alone with God, period. Now, if you are new to following Jesus, the most important thing about this is to make it a habit, Um, Because if you make it a habit, if you practice time alone with God as part of your everyday life, then that will make it so much easier to to maintain or keep over time. You know, if I go to bed at night and I haven't brushed my teeth, uh, it feels weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to get up and brush my teeth. If I pull out of the driveway and my seatbelt's not on, I feel like the door's hanging open. I mean, it's, it's an incomplete start to that drive. And if you make time alone with God... Um, a habit in your everyday life, then, then it'll feel like it's missing when it's not there. If you're a beginner at spending time alone with God, 
the method that these 11 people have suggested is a good one to go with, to focus on God and commit the time to him, to just pour out whatever is most pressing and present on your heart to the Lord, to read some scripture to the point of understanding and application, and then just to talk to God about whatever else you need to talk with him about. That's a wonderful formula for spending time alone with the Lord. The second question I asked was, have you ever heard God speaking to you? Now, first of all, here, I want to tell you that I have never heard the audible voice of God in my life. I haven't, personally. And of the 11 people I interviewed, only two of them said that they had actually heard an audible voice from the Lord at some point in their life. Now, these are Christians who've been walking with God for many years, um, several of them decades even. So, does God still speak audibly to people like he did in the Bible? I think he most certainly does. Um, So far, I'm not one of them. That's okay. He speaks to me in other ways that I'll describe for you in a moment. But there are people, um, I I would imagine there are people in this room right now who have heard the audible voice of God speak a word to them, a word of instruction or a word of comfort or a word of direction or a word of purpose or a word of correction or a word of identity into your life. When I asked these 11 folks how God speaks to them, the the four most common responses I received were through his word, through other Christians, through circumstances, and then through nature. Uh, One of the ladies I interviewed was telling me about a, a time alone with God she was spending. She was going for a walk through her neighborhood, and um, she was just in her own prayers. Uh, she was having a, a, a low self-esteem moment in life, and she said specifically she was just feeling ugly, like how could anyone look at me and like me, and just telling God how she was feeling about this, and she's walking along and praying. And all of a sudden she heard, And she stopped and looked around, and she hadn't seen anybody. And there were no cars or anything or traffic, and she didn't see anyone. And so she just kept on her walk, and she was praying and just still kind of pouring out, Lord, I feel like I'm worthless. I feel like I'm nothing. I really feel ugly today. (laughs) And she looked around. Now she's looking up in the trees. She can't see any birds or anything. And to her knowledge, she can't think of a species of bird that makes the cat call noise. And so she kept on walking. Who knows what it was? But in that moment, the Lord was speaking to her somehow through nature and saying, I see you, and you're lovely to me. That was the message of that moment for her. Several of the people I interviewed said that they said that they felt God speak to their heart or their mind. It wasn't audible, but that they felt like they got a message in their heart or their mind from the Lord that had not come from themselves or from anywhere else. So several of them actually used the words, it just came out of nowhere. Have you ever had a thought uh, or a phrase that just came out of nowhere? There's no other way that that thought or idea or sentence could have come from your own mind or from anywhere else but the Lord. From what most people told me about how God would speak to their hearts or their minds, it was usually not something new that he was saying to them. In fact, he was usually affirming some concept that, they, that he had already addressed to them in their Bible reading through his own word. So if you're ever in a position where you think, is that God? Am I hearing from him? Is this something he may be saying? If you're having trouble deciphering whether that voice you're hearing may be the Lord's or if it's just you, run it up against Scripture. 
Let God's written word be your guide against what you think could be his spoken word. See, God is not one of confusion. He will never contradict himself. He will never speak a word to your heart or your mind that is not in line with his written word. One of the ladies I interviewed was, um, had been approached about joining um, the, the pro-life group at her church. And she really wanted to do it, but she wanted to make sure that it was the Lord's will for her before she took on that big responsibility. And so she had been praying about that. Lord, do you want me to do this? Is this something you want me to take on? Is this a group you want me to come a part of? And over the next series of days, just in her normal devotional reading, she hadn't changed readings of any kind, the Lord kept calling out of his word to her um, references to how much he loves human life, how precious to him mothers are, how much he loves babies and children especially. Just day after day in her regular devotional reading, the Lord was speaking to her immediate situation and confirming for her this thing that she thought she might be supposed, you know, might should do, but wanted the Lord's confirmation, and he spoke to her in that way. So right now I want to tell you that you are not weird if you've never heard God's audible voice, you're not weird if you struggle to have a consistent time alone with God every day, and you are not weird if you've ever wrestled with knowing or understanding God's will for your life. There is a simple rule of social life that goes like this. The more time you spend with a person, the more and the better you will get to know them. The more time you spend with a person, the more you get to know their wants and their needs, their preferences, their pet peeves. The more time you spend with another person, the more and the better you will get to know them. Have you ever had a close friend ask you about a movie that you saw and you said, no, oh, you wouldn't like that movie. Why? Because you know them. You know what kind of movies they like. Or have you ever said to a friend, something happened today that you're going to think it was hilarious. How can you say that to them? Because you know them. You know their sense of humor. Do you have any friends with whom you can communicate simply through body language or a facial expression? You've spent so much time with this friend that you've learned how to communicate without words. If you invest quality time in being with God every day, you won't have to struggle over whether or not you're hearing his voice. You'll learn over time what his voice sounds like through his word. You won't have to wrestle to discern God's will. Uh, another gentleman that I interviewed talked about how he, over a series of years, tried to cultivate this habit of, uh, of just basically directing all of his thoughts all the time to God and all of his feelings all of the time to God. So if he had a thought, he would just say it to God. That's a neat car. What a pretty sunset. That jerk just cut me off. You know, whatever it is, he just, he just directed all of his thoughts to God. If he was feeling something, I'm sad, Lord. Um, I'm excited, God. Uh, mm, that sounds interesting, Lord. Um, I'm, I'm a bit anxious about that, Father. He, he tried to just direct all of his thoughts and all of his feelings to the Lord all the time, cultivating this kind of all-the-time prayer relationship with the Lord. And um, it, it's, it became a habit for him. He, he now just talks to God all day long. He still has a special, like, set-aside time alone with the Lord, but he's just always in conversation with the Lord all throughout his day about everything. When you've spent time, months, and years with God, you don't even have to pray about certain things. I'm not telling you not to pray about certain things. 
but just like I don't have to ask my wife how she feels about certain things, there's, there's some things you will just come to learn and know about God because you will know him so well. You have come to know his words so well that you will already know what he wants you to do in a certain situation. You will have learned his likes and his dislikes. You'll have learned God's preferences and pet peeves. And yes, he has those. Because when we learn, because we learn those things about the people we love, how? By spending quality time with them. The third question I asked the 11 people I interviewed was, do you have any suggestions for spending time alone with God? Now, the worksheet that you were handed when you came in, um, which has 26 ideas for spending time alone with God, that is the results of their answers to that question. Do you have any ideas for spending time alone with God? The first four responses were universal. All 11 people said something about those first four things that are on your sheet, which were get alone, choose a place, set an appointment, and make it a habit. The first thing to do is to get alone. Remove yourself from as many distractions as possible. Our minds can be distracting enough without the help of outside influences. So get away from people, get all by yourself, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, uh, put your phone on silent, or better yet, just turn it off if you can. Get yourself truly alone with the Lord for just a very few minutes in your day. Next, choose a place. Pick a place that can be comfortable and reliable, one that you can come back to each day. Several of the people I interviewed talked about having a favorite chair or bench or their porch swing, you know, some little spot in their house um, that they go to every day, and it's where they keep their Bible and their journal and uh, can be a place where they spend time alone with the Lord every day. Um, for, for my wife, Diana, it's, it's the little bench by the window next to the kitchen in our house. She can sit at that, at that bench, the, the light's coming in through the windows in the morning, and she can read the word and journal a bit and sip her coffee there. That's her special spot with the Lord. After you spend your time alone with God there for several days, you'll just naturally begin to associate that special place as yours and God's own holy ground together. Next, set an appointment and keep it, just like you would with a doctor. Like, have an actual reserved time in your day. And for me, I even put it on my calendar because if something's on my calendar, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and if something's on my calendar, other things can't interrupt. And so that when something comes up mentally or socially, I can say, you know what, I can't. I've got this impo important appointment that I can't miss. Uh, Pastor Dwayne, a worship team, I'll invite you guys to come back out and prepare to lead us in our closing song. So to establish a daily time alone with God in your life, the basic steps are to get alone, choose a place, set an appointment, and make it a habit. Do it every day. Even if it's not for very long, you don't have to do it for an hour or 30 minutes. If you spend four minutes alone with the Lord, that's awesome. If you spend one minute alone with the Lord, that's awesome. Better to do a short time that becomes a habit in your day than putting all this pressure on yourself to spend all this time that you're not going to be able to make. Make it a habit every day, even if you don't feel anything. Even if you practice this and it doesn't feel like anything's happening initially, make it a habit. Let it become part of your everyday life for you. 
So those are some pointers for spending time alone with God. Get alone, choose a place, set an appointment time, and make it a habit. Jesus gave us this pattern for refueling our souls by spending a little quality time alone with him in his presence every day. And in Mark 6, 31, Jesus said to his busy and frazzled and excited and exhausted disciples these words, and he says the same words to us today. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest.